our first assignment. There were many, many writing exercises, uh, but our first serious writing ex uh, assignment was to write a 3,000 word short story, minimum 3,000 word short story in three days. Well, holy cow, oh, three days. I did not think this was possible, yeah. but I did it. Oh, wow. And everybody else in the class did it too. Yeah. So we turned it in thinking, huh, showed you, right? <laughs> well, we handed in the assignment. And then she turns around and she says, your next assignment <laughs> is to write a 3,000-word short story overnight. <gasps> I thought I was going to die. It's Joanna from JCV Art Studio. I've shortened my name. I gotta have a short name somewhere. I mean, with a name like Vanderflux, something's gotta be a little shorter and a little easier to spell. So, welcome to JCV Art Studio. As I said, my name is Joanna. I'm the author of Dealer's Child and The Unraveling. And kicking off, I didn't tell her this, I didn't tell this to our author, season three. I have multi-published author Marcel Dubay on the podcast, and I'm really excited to chat with her today. Marcel is the author of numerous mystery novels and short stories. You go on her website, you her bibliography, you just scroll, and it's like, wow. Marcel is also on the executive of the Sisters in Crime, Chapter West. And Marcel grew up in Montreal, and after trying a few provinces, she set roots in the Yukon. Now that's cold. Oh, for 35 years. And she now lives in Alberta, which she says is much like the Yukon and all the ways that count. Now, today we will be talking about Marcel's latest novel, The Wronged Woman. Marcel, welcome. I'm like, I'm excited to chat with you. Oh, thank you, Joanna. You're making me feel so welcome. Good, good. So you were incredibly busy. And I'm just wondering, how are you doing? How do you like manage your time? You're so busy. Um, I, I don't think I do manage my time. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just run from, from one emergency to another, try to deal with it. <laughs> well, you look very calm and collective, you know. I know, that's my secret power. <laughs> Underneath the water, my feet are paddling like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
So your book, The Wronged Woman, you had my attention from the first page and just from the very first page of that book. And I was right wondering, before we get into it, what is the best writing advice you've received? Um, I would have to say that the best advice I ever got was to get out of my own way, um, to get out of my own head, to, to just write. Okay. Um, a little story. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, a few years back, I took a two week masterclass in, in, in writing and, um, our first assignment, there were many, many writing exercises, uh, but our first serious writing ex- uh, assignment was to write a 3,000-word short story, minimum 3,000-word short story in three days. Well, holy cow. Oh, three days. I did not think this was possible, yeah. but I did it. Oh, wow. And everybody else in the class did it, too. Yeah. So we turned it in thinking, huh, showed you, right? <laughs> well, we handed in the assignment. And then she turns around and she says, your next assignment <laughs> is to write a 3,000-word short story overnight. <gasps> I thought I was going to die. Yeah. But I did it. Oh, and wow. so did everybody else. Oh, wow. And then we turned it in. I thought, surely to God, she's not going to ask us to do one in two hours. <laughs> no. She said we had to write a 10,000-word short story in three days. Oh, my God. Yeah. And again, did it. Um, the only way we could do it was to just sit our butts down and write and not, you know, angst about it and, and, and think, oh, is this the right word? Is this the right inflection? No, no, no. You just get the story down. And because we did it that way, we didn't have a chance to, to angst over the words. We didn't have a chance to get in our own way. We had no time. Okay. Because we had all those writing exercises to do. We had to attend lectures. And we had to read everything that everybody else wrote in the class. So the writing of the stories had to fit in between all that. So that exercise was to prove to us that we could have a writing career while working full time. Okay. And and to to be honest, uh, one of my favorite short stories came out of that exercise, the 10,000 word one. Really? Yeah, because I was tired and I was grumpy. (laughs) <laughs> and I was, I was just, she wants a story. I'm going to give her a story. And I did. <laughs> and I think it was a very good story. So, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So, you know, you get out of your own way and it's amazing what depths you'll plumb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk briefly. Okay. You brought up short stories and um, I was, in a a conference call with you and other members of Sisters in Crime about an upcoming anthology. And I know my story with a whole bunch of other stories were submitted blind, so no one knew whose story was whose. And I remember when my story came up, it was golden, because I like writing novels. I do. I like writing the novels. I'm not so much the short story. And you had said, this is a novel trying to be a short story. And it was like light bulb. I thought, okay, that's my fingerprint 
right. Like it was might as well have been my fingerprint, right? Because I thought <laughs> that's exactly it. And you had mentioned how there's a there's a lot of backstory in the beginning of this short story. And I just thought, that's right. You know, and you sit there and you think, why did I put in all that backstory? Right? <laughs> this is a short story. Yeah. And it's amazing how someone else can point something out. Oh, and you're just like, why didn't I see that? You know? So do you find that is a common error with short stories? Just too much backstory? And I, I'm really curious. Well, I, yeah, I do. I do find or, or that um, there's no setting at all. So you have, you feel like everything is happening in a white box, right? Oh, you don't know where you are. Um, but the whole backstory at the front end of the story uh, I am so guilty of that, uh, but I've now recognized that this is my pattern. So I, I'll write it. I'll write the whole backstory, and then I'll get to the story itself. And then when I go back and read through it, I'll go, oh, yeah, there it is. So and then I'll chop it off. Okay. And if there are bits and pieces that are needed, then I'll thread it into the story. Gotcha. But somebody, somebody called it walking up to the porch, right? Yeah. The story is the house. Yeah. So you're on the sidewalk, you're walking up to the porch, you're climbing up the stairs, you're on the porch, you're crossing the porch, then you get to the house. Yeah. That's what yeah. I do. Yeah. So yeah. once you recognize it in yourself, you, you can you can address it, you know. I mean, sometimes you need it, you need to write that to 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 get it out so that your the story becomes clearer in your own head. Right. And that's that's okay. There's no no point in beating yourself up about it. You know, most of us do some form of it. Yeah. So you recognize it, you look for it when you're in revision, and then you deal with it. Well, it was great, you know, and I thought, oh, my God, that's so true. You know, and I like, <laughs> I, I hold on to that because I thought that was great feedback. I really do. Right. Yeah. But it's it's usually a novelist's problem because I'm I'm like you I, I'm more of a novelist than a short story writer and with a novel you've got so much time you know you still have to be reasonable and you have to be careful you don't want to bore the poor reader to tears but you've got time to thread in the information that they're going to need because they've settled in so they're they're coming with you for the ride you know but in a short story that's a different art form oh yeah it's really different <laughs> yeah yeah Okay, so the wronged woman. Can you tell our listeners what it is, what it is about, and where it places in the it's the series in your series? Um, <clears throat> pardon me. The wronged woman woman is the sixth Mendenhall mystery. Um, it uh, the series starts with the shoeless kid yeah. about. I don't know, 10 years ago, something like that. And um, it may well be, it may well be the last of the series. I haven't quite decided yet, but it feels, it feels like I've answered the story questions. Okay. You know? okay. Well, you had me cheering. You definitely had me cheering for the heroine, Kate Williams. Now she's chief of police and you made it personal. Um, it's interesting what a reader will connect with. Um, you know, because Kate, she's chief of police. She's got so much going on. And 
in the back of her mind, she's thinking about how all these people are coming for a wedding, right? And she keeps, you know, it's her sister's wedding, isn't it? No, her niece's wedding. Her niece's wedding, yeah. And it's it's funny because in the back of her mind, she's like, can't they elope? You know, and it's you weave that in in different times of the narrative. She's just like, can't they elope? You know, and <laughs> I loved that because I have had, I call it my MTM moment. And for those who um, didn't grow up on Mary Tyler Moore, that's what I call it, my MTM moment, <laughs> where you decide you're going to hold a party or you're going to invite people over. And it, it seems like such a good idea. And then like 24 hours before the event, you're just like, oh, my God, why did I do this? Is there enough food? You know, like just yeah. what was I thinking? <laughs> what yeah. was I thinking? Yeah. Yeah. So that I immediately that just that one little thing, I was like, oh, man, I like this lady. So I was wondering any situations similar to, our, to poor Kate? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure we've all had situations like that. I mean, I'm I'm a, a natural introvert, right? Yeah. So too many people around and I start to get anxious. Yeah. And then um, my daughter decided to get married a few years back. And oh, my God, she invited everybody. Everybody came. Thank God it was like like the wedding in, in the wrong woman. It was a, a backyard wedding with a tent and everything. So I had some experience to go by but there were so many people and I felt like my my smile was just fixed to my face and my cheeks hurt and I was going is it ever going to end is it ever going to end <laughs> don't tell my daughter this <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I mean I'm sure that all introverts feel the same way no matter how much you love the person or or what a joyful occasion it is it's all those people yeah. and Weddings are stressful. People go a little crazy at a wedding. Yeah, and and Kate knows this, right? I mean, the woman's in her 50s. She's got experience. She knows that something is going to go wrong because something always goes wrong. And she does so desperately wish they had just eloped. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know, um, okay, with my oldest, she's been with her partner for over 10 years. And the subject has come up and my husband keeps saying to her how about you go to Maui we'll pay for you to go to Maui all inclusive how about you go to Maui <laughs> you're telling her daughter to go get married on another island in another country <laughs> yeah I have a, I have a pair of friends who did it the right way they just invited everybody over to their place for a potluck and when we got there they informed us that they had gotten married that morning okay so they didn't want anybody to bring gifts. They just wanted a big party, yeah. which is what they had. And it was joyful because there was no pre-stress involved. Yeah. We just showed up for the party with some food and everybody celebrated. Yeah. yeah. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Yeah. They had been living together for well over 10 years at the time. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the, the, the flush of youth, right? The, yeah. the joy of, oh, we want to get married. Yeah. Yeah. So. In the Mendenhall Mystery Series, I love the titles. Um, like you said, it started with the, started with the Shoeless Kid, the Tuxedoed Man, the Weeping Woman, the Untethered Woman, the Forsaken Man, 
and now the wronged woman. Okay, so going back, what made you want Kate to be a, the chief of police? Because A, that got a fist pump from me. Um, I've, I've, I've worked for police complaints. I used to work for police complaints and all the 10, was it 10, 12 municipal police departments, there wasn't one female chief of police. And I was thinking about this when I was thinking about our, our talk today. And I know we, I had spoken with one inspector and she said she could make it. If she stuck around long enough, she goes, maybe she goes, but I'm retiring, you know? So I was wondering what made you want to have Kate be the chief of police? And if you could tell us a little bit about Kate. Well, it's interesting that you said that about your female uh, inspector, because that's what Kate was thinking when she applied for the job was this is a really good way to ease into retirement. You know, she'd, she'd been a big city police officer for so long, and she was really tired of the internal politics and the big city crime. She just, she was ready for a change. She wanted a simpler life. She wanted a place where, you know, there, there wouldn't be as much crime. <laughs> Boy, was she wrong. <laughs> yeah. She arrived in Menden Hall to find... Um, a, a, a police detachment full of resentful police officers because they all wanted their deputy chief to become chief. Yeah. Because the old chief died and he had been at the, the DC had been acting chief and they, everybody assumed he would become the chief. Well, he didn't. Okay. Kate was hired instead. So oh, yeah. that's what she had to face when she first got there. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. believe. Yeah. I believe it. And you know what, Marcel, I think I just went full on straight into the next question, and I didn't ask you to tell us a little bit about the wronged woman. Oh, oh well, the wronged woman, um, as you know, features Kate dealing with the onslaught of two families who are have never met each other before, um, getting together not in either place, not in Montreal, not in Toronto, but in Menden Hall, where the wedding's taking place, yeah. and um, Kate is just she's girding herself you know she's just okay I can do this I can do this and everybody is laughing at her her boyfriend's laughing at her her deputy chief is laughing at her everybody knows how she's feeling yeah and um but you know she's dealing she's dealing she's accepted the fact this is happening might as well just and then somebody discovers a dead body in a canola field yeah yeah and so all of a sudden, she's not only dealing with the stress of the wedding, the stress of two families interacting and not always well. She's also dealing with trying to figure out what happened to this poor young woman. Yeah. And then she realizes that one of her uh, constables is uh, involved in the crime. Yeah. So that's the premise for the book. Cool. Cool. Okay. So leading now, leading off from that. Another personal connection I had with your novel is I remember we were visiting my sister Susan in Alberta and driving through Alberta. And the very first time I saw a canola field and I have never seen it's something, you know, that expanse of yellow 
I know. It just brings me so much joy. Yeah. And, but I was in a car and I didn't realize that ripe, and I'm sure everyone in Alberta are going to be, you know, shaking their heads when I say this. I didn't realize that ripe canola had a smell because when they're, it has a smell, doesn't it? Apparently, I've okay. never smelled it because I've never <laughs> been that close to canola field. Okay. I only ever saw it driving by. Oh, lovely, lovely. <laughs> you yeah. know, but I did research, yeah. you know, just to, to know what I was talking about. And apparently it does. Yeah, because uh, that was right when it's right. Because <laughs> they're they're like covering their their their, yeah. their faces, aren't like their nose. Okay. And yeah. I, I, I thought that was that was cool. That was very cool. So I think this series, and correct me if I'm wrong, I was thinking it's more like a police procedural, okay? And I thought the mo- the scene in the morgue was excellent. Um, it was respectful. Thank you. Yeah, it was, you know, you read some books where they, where they talk about, uh, you know, not I'm I'm not talking about a morgue scene, but I've I've read a book where it's like gash slash stab, you know, pummel kick, and it's just it's like okay, it's it was just way too much, right? Like yeah. just way too much. And the scene in the morgue, um, like it's like it wasn't gruesome. It wasn't gruesome for the sake of being gruesome or shocking. And what I liked was how the medical examiner moved around the body and she was so respectful of the body. And I was wondering, when I was reading that, I was wondering about your research for that scene. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, most of the research that I've done involves uh, Google, of course, yeah. and, um, and, and talking to anybody who, who talked to me. Yeah. <laughs> but I've never been in a morgue. I mean, I would love I would love to go to a morgue. I think I would, you know, I mean, you get these ideas in your head, who knows, you know, what reality really is, but yeah. Um, yeah so I've, I've done a lot of research online, but I also read um, Mary Roach's uh, stiff. Have you ever read that one? No. It's it, it, she analyzes or studies how, how um, we have treated cadavers throughout history. Okay. It's fascinating, and it's also really interesting. She's um, she's a very good writer, yeah. and and what I came out of that book with was how respectful yeah. we treat our corpses now. You know how how um, morgue attendants and uh, and um, even when we donate our organs, what they do with the corpses after it's all done with such respect. You know yeah. for the person yeah. who was there. So that and um, late last year, I took a, an online course on um, forensic anthropology. Oh wow! You know the the people they they call when they find a, a body in the forest and they want to know you know is it male is it female that kind of stuff. Fascinating, yeah. really fascinating. Okay, so I'm a little ghoulish, that's okay. uh, you know, but I figure that's not bad for a crime writer. <laughs> So that too was um, very interesting how they treat the bodies and how even even the cadaver farm, you know, where they study how a body um, decomposes over time under certain conditions. Um, that too, you know, like uh, they really appreciate people's donations of their body 
the science. And I never, I had never realized before that if I donate my body to science, I might end up in a cadaver farm. Wouldn't okay. that be cool? I would be kind of cool. I'm, I'm a little on the fence about that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so yeah, I, I may be a little weird, but um, that's okay. Those are those are the attitudes that I that I've tried to reflect. Yeah, and well, I like Doc Kajawa. I think she's a she's a pretty cool character. She is, and like I said, I really she was so respectful, and it it was. It was nice to read, like it was nice to read, because I think we've all read the books where, you know, it, it's 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 gore for the sake of gore, and you're just like, oh, you you don't need this, you know, and no. it, it, right? No, I don't. I don't like reading those books, so I certainly am not going to write them. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> no. hey, okay, so you're saying you're thinking this may be the last Mendenhall mystery. And I've realized I haven't discussed this series and a series arc with anyone on the podcast. So I'm I'm just getting it. I'm just getting into it. I have I'm working on book three and I'm just starting the rough, rough draft of another series. So what I'm wondering with you. Did you plan a series arc because, you know, did you plan, okay, I'm going to have it be six books or seven books? Because, again, this morning, I was thinking about this when I was driving. Sue Grafton has, what is it? How many letters in the, how many letters are there in the alphabet, right? Like 26. 26, right? And so did you plan a certain number or is it something that just kind of came to you as you're, working through each book thinking, okay, this, I think I may be coming near the end. Like, I'm curious how, like, how did you, how are you, how did you get to where you're at? Well, not through planning. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) I, I wrote the shoeless kid and never once occurred to me that it was going to be the first book in the series. Okay. I just wrote the story that was in me. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I saw a shoe on a road somewhere and and the image just stayed with me and bugged me and bugged me and bugged me till I finally, okay, I'll write you. And I wrote the story. And I thought that was it. And then people started saying, well, what happens now? What's next? And I started thinking, and I liked the characters. So, oh, I'll write another one. So, I, well, six books later. Um, no, there was no planning. I had no idea what the story arc was. Each story is discreet and and stands alone but if you read from the beginning through the to the last book you you see the growth in the characters the development of the relationships um things happen to some of the characters and um the there's a growing trust and loyalty and um yeah, I, I quite, quite like these characters, but there were two storylines in particular that that started from the beginning and that just kind of threaded through this, the, the two, the, the whole series until I reached the sixth book and they both resolved. Oh, and that, so that's why I'm thinking, well, I guess this is it then. I guess this is it. Oh, wow. 
Wow. But I, you know, I could be wrong. Who knows? Something else may occur to me. <laughs> well, I remember hearing an author on another podcast and she said she had finished a series and she goes, but she has learned do not kill the character off because you never know. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> right? There may well, be. A- yeah. And what if I brought Kate back in, in another series, you know, yeah. like with somebody else as the main character, who knows? Yeah. I'm not going to live long enough to write all the stories I want to write. Yeah. I'll, I'll just say that, but yeah. the boys in the basement are always working, you know? <laughs> So who knows what they're going to come up with next? Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's interesting with each book, because I know with this third one, you know, my heroine gets in a little bit of trouble. And it's weird. Like, you have have this happen where she gets in a little bit of trouble. And then she's, um, she's has to make a decision. And as I'm working through it, it's interesting how then just working through the story, I realize this is the decision she has to make and it involves her career, you know, and yeah. that is, I find so re- rewarding as yeah. an author. Right. Yeah. Well, for me, I, I, Kate is in charge, right. She's always in charge, but she she's also a very collaborative person so she she's not one to throw her weight around and to always say thou shalt do this because i'm your boss and i said so she listens to her people and they often have a really good idea of how to proceed next and so they all work together and that's how that's how it works but in the end she's the boss the decisions are on her shoulders and uh um, but what I like about her process is that everything is organic yeah. so that when she finally reaches a decision, she's taken everything into account and, and she, she, she carries through with it. So it's, it's like a logical procession of, of what should happen next. That's cool. That's cool. Okay. Boys in the basement, they get all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you started the series with, the shoeless kid. Um, now it's received. I want to know about the recognition and it has received because I remember seeing a face. Was it a Facebook post that it re- either it received an award or it received recognition from the Yukon? Can you can you tell <laughs> me about <Yeah>. that? <laughs> yeah, um, no awards, but um, I was approached by the Department of Tourism. Uh, in the Yukon, and they were setting up a Yukon book club, yeah. which featured um, Yukon books like um, uh, nonfiction, uh, fiction, uh, like old fiction, Jack London, that kind of thing. So they have about 17 books in there now. And what they do is they um, connect the books to places in the Yukon and provide information uh, about those places. So it's it's a travel Yukon um, initiative. So of course their, their focus is tourism, yeah. but they also feature uh, different books. Like And for the, the authors who are alive, yeah. they provide a little, uh, um, they, they, they um, record you. Okay. So okay. I, I had my poor daughter sitting there with my phone 
filming me while I'm trying to answer these questions and oh, anyhow. So uh, so if you look on the Travel Yukon site under the Yukon Book Club, you'll find my shoeless kid being, uh, being um, uh, featured. Not because it's set in the Yukon, but because it was written in the Yukon and inspired by the Yukon. That that shoe I mentioned on the highway, yeah, that's yeah. that's where I saw it on the Carcross Road on the way to Carcross, and just kept thinking, how does somebody lose just one shoe? How does that happen? <laughs> yeah. So, so you and that's have, started the whole series. <laughs> well, we have friends in the Yukon, and my spouse is being up to Kino, and oh yeah. Uh, yeah, so that that's that's really cool. And I, what I didn't, I didn't realize about the Yukon. Now, whether it's the spring or the summer, but its landscape is beautiful. Like I always thought oh. it was covered under snow all the time. No, that no, was no. no. no, no. But no, when I it saw gorgeous, yeah, yeah. like yeah. I, I remember seeing photos of it in a book, and I just thought wow this is beautiful this is really beautiful like because i always thought yeah. bc was like the the beautiful you know it's on our license plate beautiful british columbia right and it is it yeah. is beautiful but yeah. when i saw those photos of the of the spring yeah. yeah yeah i've been i have been to just about every no i have been i have been to every province in the country and i've lived in many of them and um, I've been to the Northwest Territories. That's before they separated into Nunavut yeah. and the Northwest Territories. And Barnan, the Yukon, holds my heart. It's the most beautiful place I've ever lived. Okay. I love it there. I would be there today. I would never have left. Really? The only reason I left is because Alberta is where they grow the grandchildren. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that that just I'm sorry Yukon yeah. you have my heart but my bigger heart is with the grandson so yeah. <laughs> yeah okay but all I know is that now I'm a tourist attraction <laughs> because I'm on the travel Yukon site <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome yeah I think so too yeah yeah now when you were writing hold on here when you were writing I know with what I'm doing now, I started with a what if. So I had my notepad out and I'm thinking of my story and I'm like, what if Coco, my character, does this and then this happens? And what if, you know, and I note it's all like what ifs, right? And I was wondering, what was your first what if moment with regards to the wronged woman and your character, Kate? Um, to be honest, I don't know that there was an exact moment, a what if moment. There usually is for my all my books and short stories almost all start with a what if moment. Like I will see something like, and you know that, or I'll read something that'll go, huh, I wonder what would happen if. Yeah, you know. So, but something always triggers it. It's not that I sit down and go, "All right, now, what if I did this?" Yeah. That happens when I hit like the the dirty middle, and I'm going, "What is going to happen next?" I have no idea. So then I brainstorm. Well, 
what if this happened? Or what if she did this? Or what if somebody showed up? And, you know, that's when I do the brainstorming. But um, yeah, I mean, I told you about shoeless and the the shoe on the highway and uh, tuxedoed men. Um, There were uh, emergency preparedness exercises taking place in the Yukon. And I'm thinking, huh, what would happen if there was actually a real dead body in one of those exercises? So that that became the tuxedoed man. So just about every, every novel and short story and for Kate, I think that was just in the middle of, it was wedding season, right? You were hearing about all these weddings and I was going, yeah, Kate would hate that. <laughs> huh. Wonder what would happen. <laughs> oh, and I like how you referred to the middle as the dirty middle. Um, that's, I, I'm going to remember that. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Because I always feel like, oh my God, oh my God, now what, now what? Yeah. Turn my hair out, you know. Because the boys in the middle haven't caught up to me yet. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I find I'll start, like, I, I don't usually write in sequence, but I know when I'm getting, let's say, to about two-thirds or three-quarters, I then start going backwards. Like, I'll usually know about the end. Like, I'll have, let's say, about two-thirds of the, the I'll, I'll call it front end, okay? And then I'll have... I'll know what the climatic moment is, and I may have even written the climatic moment. And then sometimes what I find is, and I've said this to Carol Land, um, work backwards. Like, you have your climatic moment. What led up to that? And I literally work backwards until the two just kind of... <laughs> wow. Yes. Oh, never, <laughs> ever, ever work like that. Yeah. No I, I, reason. I start at the beginning and I write through until I get to the end. And if oh. I'm stuck somewhere, well, that's it. I'm stuck and I have to wait until I get unstuck. Okay. okay. So if I could write, you know, further along, but I have no idea what's happening further along. Yeah. I'm a very linear thinker. Okay. Okay. No, <laughs> I have no. other strengths. <laughs> that's no. not one of them. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Okay. So then in the wronged woman did you have any character revelations or anything like i had one last night where you know you know you know you know you're supposed to be falling asleep and then the uh, next thing you know you're like oh what happens to this you know and and, and your brain yeah. starts wait, going wait i have to write that down <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so have you had any sort of like character revelations or or anything that make you makes you sit back in your chair or stay up at night and think, oh geez, right with the wronged woman? Um, yeah, I did uh, a lot. Mostly had to do with the characters yeah. that I thought I knew really well, you know, at, after five completed books, um, and then Kate did or said something that I went, huh. I, I didn't expect you to do that. And a couple of other characters did the same thing. Like they, they reacted in a way that I went, well, that wasn't really pleasant. I, I'm, I'm not really happy that you did that. And then, you know, you think it's a wedding. Everybody's a little crazy with the wedding. So the stress levels are so high that it doesn't always bring out the best in people. Oh God. Yeah. But I, I also, um, I mean, I I thought I knew who the bad guy was. And about two-thirds of the way through, I realized, oh, my God, it's not him. It's somebody else. So 
I mean, for me, that's the best part of writing is to, to realize something that if I couldn't guess, the reader won't be able to guess either. So at least I hope not. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. that's good. That's really good. Okay. So my favorite question is coming up. Okay. So chief of police, Kate Williams comes up to you in a pub. It can be in the Yukon. It can be in Alberta. Okay. So you're in a pub. Chief of police, Kate Williams comes up to you. What do you think she'd say to you? <laughs> well, I think that if Kate Williams ends up in a pub, it's because she's after somebody. Okay. And if she shows up and starts talking to me, it's probably that she's finally caught up to me and she's about to arrest me. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's so cool. I, you know, I love that answer because every author has given me something I've never anticipated. Okay. <laughs> that is cool. That is cool. Okay. Very oh, good. She's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh. So what's next, Marcel? Like, I mean, what, what, what's next? What, what are you looking at doing next? Well, I'm, I have a couple of short stories that I, that I have to finish. Uh, and while I'm doing that, I'm, I'm doing research for my next um, uh, Alley Chronicle mystery. Uh, I've got two, two done and I'm working on the third one. Uh, the Alley Chronicles are, they're alternate history slash science fiction slash mystery books. Yeah. And uh, they, they're very hard for me to write because I am not a natural researcher. I am not. And this involves a lot of research. But I really like the story. I really like the characters. And I think that the two books that I've already got done are some of the finest work I've done. So wow. I, I, hope, I hope I can keep it up. It, they take me a lot longer to write than my other books. Yeah. No, I understand. Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So Marcel, is there anything you'd like to add? Anything, anything at all? Wow. We've ranged all over the place. I, <laughs> I, I can't think of a single thing you haven't touched on. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Well, it has been really enjoyable, you know, just to sit down and chat with you. Cause I, like I say, I know how busy you are and it's like, we got to talk about her book, you know, cause I, like I said, I really, I feel for Kate. <laughs> she's got, she's, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, she'll get over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, Marcel. Well, you stay healthy. Okay. I'm trying. And uh, I will be chatting with you soon. Yeah, you take care, Joanna. Thanks very much. This has been fun. Good.